Open source software is publicly available code that is worked on in the open by large crowds of developers. Almost all new software today uses some open source software in its code. But most people never contribute to open source because they don't know how to do it themselves. Some people would love to get involved in open source, but they don't know how to get started. Shubeksha Jalan found herself in this position. In her early attempts to break into open source, she failed to get much traction and found the open source community hostile to newcomers. She would fix beginner issues, but had trouble figuring out how to make more complex contributions. Eventually, she found success and wrote about it, and in this episode, she takes us through her journey. If you're wondering how to get into open source, this episode is for you. Shubeksha Jalan is an engineer who currently works with Mozilla. Shubeksha, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, everyone. You have written about your experience contributing to open source, and I want to get into a discussion around how people get involved in open source, because you wrote a very good guide to how people can get started. But let's start with why. Why do people want to contribute to open source software projects? So in my opinion, I think it varies from person to person. Uh, like as far as I'm concerned, what happened exactly was that while I was at Microsoft this past summer and during my internship, I was exposed to a completely different way of working with software. Like I actually got a taste of how it works and what it means to be, you know, shipping software to people, something that people use on a daily basis. So at that point of time, I was basically faced with a choice whether I would like to contribute to open source or I would like to focus on side projects. And like, I, I thought that contributing to something which this is- This was in your, your spare time that you're talking about or you're talking about at the company? No, this was after that. Like I was working on a oh, project okay, there and I, I thought uh, like I had, I had about a year before I start working full time as a software engineer. And I felt I felt that I was nowhere up to the mark or I did not have the required skills at all what it would take in my daily job. So I thought that I, I probably need to level up and I, or I, I need to learn basic things like design patterns and testing and, and just writing code that people can use because most of this is not taught in colleges at all. Hmm. So I, right. like, yeah, so I had to learn most of it outside my, my curriculum. So that was the main motivation for me getting into open source software because I thought contributing to something that's already there, it's present. It's like there is a foundation on which it is being built and there are people who can guide you. So that'll be better than starting something from scratch. At least in my case, it varies from person to person and a lot of people do really well with side projects as well. Sure. And I'll say, first of all, like the idea that you should either do open source or do side projects for a lot of people, that may not be obvious that you should even do one or the other, but I, I think it is a great idea for engineers to have these things that they're working on on the side because it gives you an opportunity to always expose yourself to new technologies and to a wider surface area that you might not be exposed to otherwise. Um, personally, I have been somebody who works on my own side projects, um, but you know, I th- since you mentioned, I think probably a some component of that was that sense that, oh, these open source experts are just way more sophisticated than I am. There's no way that I could ever get involved contributing to one of these epic um, 
you know, widely used open source projects. But maybe you could contrast that a little bit. How does the experience of contributing to open source compare to working by yourself on your own projects? I felt exactly the same way, to be very honest. I, I honestly felt like till like six months back, I was of the opinion that I, I won't be useful to any of the projects. I don't know enough. I don't have the adequate knowledge or the skill set to contribute meaningfully to any of the projects. And and I after that, I just started like that. That's definitely true that it's very different contributing to open source contrasted with contributing or working on just your side project because most of the time you're working with one people or maybe two. So as far as open source is concerned, a lot of people just jump in into discussions on issue threads or they'll review your pull requests, so stuff like that. It's pretty different. You, you have to keep into mind that there are other people who are working and collaborating on the same project and you have to consider their opinions and their thoughts on whatever you are doing. So I think that, that's, that's pretty different. Assuming we want to go the open source route, why is it hard? What makes it hard to get started in open source? Okay, this is a loaded question. So firstly, <laughs> like that, that are so many okay, I, can, I can rephrase it in a non-loaded way. Why can't it be more difficult than... Uh, whatever, take it, take it however you want. Okay, so I think primarily... Because primarily because there is no fixed way to get started like even today a lot of people ask me that you know how do I start and I don't have a definitive answer to it at all it just happens like you find a project and you stick with it at least that's what happened in my case and the the tricky part is finding a project and even more tricky is finding a mentor because a lot of people they start to contribute and after that they just stop because maybe due to lack of help or direction, which is which is pretty common. So I think yeah, the, these two, according to me, are the main factors why people find it so hard to contribute. Now the lack of tutorial. So I want to get into the mentorship thing eventually because I find that interesting. But the lack of tutorial, the strategy that I always hear about getting started in open source is that you should just look for beginner issues. For example, a GitHub repo like Free Code Camp has issues that are very simple to fix, and this can be a very good way to get started in open source. Definitely. Does, that, that's does, what does, I did as well. Hmm. But what happened in yeah. my case was that I, I got stalled after a while. Like I was literally contributing to beginner issues for years. I think one, one and a half years, and I was stuck. And after a while, it just like you feel like you're, on, you're just not moving forward. What are these beginner issues? Are these like write a test for something or what are the Most intro issues? Most of the time, the, the, the simplest of the issues are maybe fixing a typo or, you know, one or two lines of documentation, like stuff that doesn't really require properly diving into the code. And so you can just get hung up just doing these for a very long time and maybe you get some sense of contribution, but it sounds like the idea of slowly ramping up to more and more complex tasks that was not a reality for you exactly i just got stuck at one place and after that i just got bored so i guess there was just the way you saw it there were very simple tasks and then there were just hard tasks that you still felt like an imposter in terms of exactly exactly I mean, you wrote about this a little bit you said after doing a lot of these low-hanging fruit issues you looked for some harder issues to solve, 
and you posted a comment in the repository um, asking for clarification about how to solve a hard issue. Like there was a particular issue you found and you were like, okay, this one is not low-hanging fruit. I'm going to do this. And you posted a comment asking for clarification and then you got a hostile response, which is the last thing you need in this situation. Why did that other person respond with hostility when you were just coming to them and saying, hey, I would like to solve this problem, um, but I feel like I am a little confused about this thing. Why were they hostile? I'm honestly not sure. Maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe they misinterpreted my question, but I was honestly well, shocked you, you by you that Well, you hear about this. You hear about that, this in open source, though. Like it, This is one of the things that makes it hard to get into is that there are these communities where uh, open source is supposed to be, oh, yeah, welcoming and everything, but actually it turns out to be this hostile environment. That's definitely true. Like There is a, a very, very urgent need to make our communities more open and more safe so that everyone who wants to get in who who willingly wants to try and contribute to open source can do it it should not be so hard for people to get started but yeah hostile behavior is like my number one thing that just completely drives me away from a community yeah what is driving these people to be hostile because you would think they got involved with open source because it's this this awesome community of minds working together on something what is the psychology that makes people driven to hostility i think as as in tech we have a culture that as we progress in our careers we tend to forget where we are coming from like i'm sure someone must have you know walked them through the code base at least one or two times before they actually knew it to some extent that they can they can contribute meaningfully they they have been there at some point or the other they someone taught them to someone mentored them to but i think we just tend to forget as we progress in our careers and i think that's the primary reason we are hostile to people who are asking for help you describe yourself as feeling like you were quote bumping into a closed environment in the world of open source end quote there is a deep irony to this yeah in in what ways can an open source feel like a closed environment because it's so hard to get in like i i was ready to willingly you know offer my time to help a project but i could not find one and there are so many of them and and i could not find any of anyone to even contribute meaningfully can you describe that searching process? Because eventually you did find an open source yeah. project that was the right level of difficulty. We could talk about that, but I would love to hear about like the searching process, what that was like. I don't. I mean, which? How were you? What was your process of like going to different repositories and finding up? Well, this one doesn't work. So initially, all I did was I just searched the issue labels on GitHub. Like I, I, I after a while, you just get to know that these are the labels which people normally tag issues with, which can be taken up by big nerds. And that's what I did. I, I used to search by labels, be it any repository, and by language. Like I was primarily looking for JavaScript. So I just searched by language and by label, like labels like easy, low hanging fruit, good first bug, and, and whatever just caught my eye, I used to try and give it a step. But again, it was it was just the same thing. I used to fix typos and then I, I was stuck. So after a while, I, I used to stop that and then after a few months, I used to get back again. And, and that's just how it continued till I actually found something I could contribute to meaningfully. You 
describe the Mozilla community as being like a mentor for you. I find that interesting because most of the time people refer to a mentor as a specific person, but here you're describing the entire community as being a mentor. Can you describe the Mozilla open source community? So uh, how uh, the reason I started contributing to this project was I, I found the w- one of the issues which was tagged as a good first bug. I, I read through it and then there was a comment below the issue description which said that tagging my current mentor that he can mentor this. Like it was explicitly mentioned in the issue that this person will be your mentor. So I think that that was the moment when I actually, you know, gathered the confidence that, okay, I can do this. And like, if I get stuck, there'll be someone who can help me. And after that, I I started hanging out on IRC on a daily basis. Like I contributed some patches to Firefox as well. And Firefox uses uh, Mercurial as its version control system. And I, I was just familiar with Git. So I started hanging out in the community on IRC and I, I used to post questions on various channels and everyone was always very helpful. Like I always got a reply from someone or the other and, and they were just very, very helpful in, in every possible way. That is fascinating that the mentorship process is baked into the open source contribution process. Yeah, like they, everyone in Mozilla is encouraged to mentor people. Now, is that did that? Do you have any idea how that process evolved? Did that come out of their recognition that oh, open source is really hard to get into? I I can't comment on that because I'm not an employee. But I I think they 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 just strive to make their communities as open and as welcoming as possible. Like they actually focus on getting new contributors, and that pays off for them as well. Talk more about your early successful experiences contributing to open source. We already talked about the struggles you had early on. When did you start to feel like the gap was closing and you didn't feel like an outsider anymore? So I chose this project, the WebEx project, and I just stuck with it. I started solving beginner issues. And after solving some of them, like four or five of them, I guess, I I started leveling up and I started taking a stab at harder issues and I started like actually getting into the code trying to understand it what it does and what is happening and and that's where I where I felt that yeah I am being of some use to the project as well as I'm learning something and getting something out of the whole process of contributing to open source as well like the the one thing that this whole this one project or this one I think like this few months of contribution did for me was that I I lost my fear of, you know, going and venturing into uncharted territories. Like initially, I was very scared of of a new code base, of a youth code base. I did not know where to start. I did not know how to isolate it in the correct way to, you know, just pick bits and pieces which were of importance and of interest to me. you're given this huge code base and you don't know where to start which is a huge problem which is again a big problem for people getting into open source because they most of them just don't know how to navigate a code base we are not taught all this in a college so i i just i was like okay i can do this so I, i i started doing that i started contributing to other projects and branching out from there as well and i think the main thing which led me to believe that I'm not an outsider anymore is the fact that I could approach other projects as well. I was not scared. I was not absolutely like petrified of of 
of reading a code base I was not familiar with or trying to contribute to it. It is fascinating. My impression is that open source code bases are gigantic, even compared to when you're working on a code base at a company. Like I worked on a code base at Amazon, and it was really big. But my sense is that working on an open source code base is often tremendously larger. That's definitely true, and it it I think it varies from project to project. Like the Webex code base is not that big, the Firefox code base obviously is. So it it does vary from project to project. But yeah, a lot of very popular projects are obviously very very huge. So the barrier of entry into those projects is obviously higher. And what is that process like? Like the describe to me the process of digesting a large code base. Is it just because um, I mean, you 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 talked about the how it was a struggle to get from easy issues to more complex issues in your earlier days, and now you're talking about how the mentorship of Mozilla helped facilitate your ability to move beyond those basic issues eventually to more complex issues. What was the mentor doing that was helping facilitate your advancement to those more complex issues? Okay, so suppose I'm working on an issue and I get stuck somewhere. Maybe I don't understand what that particular line of code is doing. Maybe I don't understand what the control flow is, and I just get stuck. I'm stalled. I can't move forward. So I I would go back and I would ask my mentor, "This is what I'm trying to do, and this is what is happening. Maybe I'm running into errors, and I'm and I'm not being able to debug a particular piece of code." So they used to help me with that. They used to just explain that this is what this is doing. This is how the control is flowing. and this is what i'm doing wrong maybe not in a very direct way but they would guide me on the right path that this is what you're supposed to do to get where you want to be so i like i had a feeling that i i'm not wasting my time like i won't abandon an issue after working on it for 5 days i can ask for help and i'll be given the required amount of help can you describe what the contrast is between contributing to open source and working on a a uh, project at a large company just like the the pr- like the day-to-day um interaction with with your code and and with the other people on the project so when i was interning uh, at microsoft this past summer i basically like I, I, in microsoft we had this system where i had a manager i had a mentor and i had someone called a buddy which is basically a person who has joined the company very recently so you can you know relate more to them because they're just out of college so at at microsoft i basically interacted with my buddy the most i had check-ins with my mentor and my manager which were weekly or bi-weekly but mostly i interacted with my buddy and he used to help me whenever i was stuck or uh, what to do next and compared to the open source project i'm working on it's it's pretty much the same but i i know this is not the norm this is an exception because Right now I'm working very closely with my mentor itself and and another mentor. So right now I'm working very closely with both of them. So I guess that there isn't much of a difference right now because currently I'm I'm doing an internship with Mozilla as well which is outreachy. So right now it it feels pretty much the same but I'm I have started contributing to other projects as well. Uh primarily I was working on Webpack. uh for this past month and i've been refactoring their code base to es6 and and there like there are a lot of people they'll they'll just chime in and they'll review my pull requests or 
someone will merge one of my pull requests and someone else will review and merge one of my other pull requests and like there are a lot of people to work and keep up with which is which, which is probably because webpack is a huge project and it has like it has gained a lot of traction in the recent past yeah it sure has so <clears throat> let's talk more about the advice that you give to people who want to break into open source you give several pieces of advice to beginning developers in your article which i'll link to in the show notes the first is that new contributors should not be afraid to ask questions and i was having a conversation with uh, berkeley martinez who is the cto of free code camp about this because I thought that the first thing you were supposed to do was always Google for like 10 or 15 minutes and see if you can solve it for yourself and then ask somebody, what is the right mix of Googling and looking at documentation and versus question asking to the rest of the community? So when I say that you should not be afraid to ask questions, I don't mean that you ask the person who's mentoring you for documentation. Like, just give me the docs for this. No, that's not what I mean. This is this was probably my biggest takeaway from my internship because I'm a very shy and an introverted person. So I always think like 10 times before asking a question to avoid looking stupid. But just being in that environment, I just realized how much there is to learn and take in and how much I do not know at all. So like I, I started asking questions about design decisions. Why is this done in a certain way? Why, why are we writing tests this way? How, how, did you, how do you decide how to split a unit test? How to split code to write a particular unit test? Stuff like that. Stuff you won't find by Googling. Stuff very, very specific to the code base. So what I tend to do is that I, I obviously Google like everyone else for 10 or 15 minutes. But if the error is not at all obvious, it's very obscure and I can't find anything online then I'll ask. And as far as the code base is concerned, obviously I won't find stuff by Googling. I, if I'm stuck at a particular point where I don't understand the control flow, I'll have to ask someone who knows the code base. Right. Okay. So you also make the point that it is okay to have holes in your knowledge because everybody has these when they start. This is basically the imposter syndrome problem that we all feel like we're too far behind we're never going to catch up. There's too many holes in our knowledge. But almost everybody feels this way. And at a certain point, people do get over this and they realize, oh, everybody, you know, it's, it's like everybody feels this way, but you don't realize that everybody else feels this way early on, that everybody else is also very far behind in terms of understanding the entire corpus of computer science. How do you recommend people get over that? Because it's almost like a... It's, it's totally a psychological problem, this this imposter syndrome or this fear of having holes in our knowledge. That's definitely true. I think the first step is just realizing that it's there and it's okay. You are not the only person going through this. There are thousands of other people in the same boat and it's perfectly okay to be there. If you if you don't start, you won't get anywhere. And, and I faced the same problem. I, I thought that I did not know enough. How, how can I even try to contribute to anything but then like once you start you realize that as you contribute you learn a lot and that's not just code it's about working with people taking feedback in a positive manner and a lot of other things like that basically working in a team so 
it's you if you if you just keep thinking that you don't know something and you don't do anything about it you won't know it anyway my favorite piece of advice that you give in your article is to just start which is what you kind of said just now like that's basically how you also overcome imposter syndrome is just kind of beat your head against the wall until you feel better uh you know fake it till you make it might be another way of putting it uh I mean, this advice is so crucial in a world where people increasingly have to build things on their own. The, you know, the world of just taking orders from people and expecting to have direction for everything, that world is just going away. And the people who are succeeding are the ones who aggressively get started, even when they don't feel prepared. All of my... um, like all of my successful projects personally have started that way. Like when I started this podcast, Software Engineering Daily, my early episodes were really pretty bad and not very, I mean, well-baked, but, um, you know, you don't, for so many of these things, you literally cannot get started until you start. There's no amount of preparation you can do that will get you ready. You just kind of have to jump into the deep end and there's just no alternative. There's no amount of preparation that will get you where you need to go. That's definitely true. I think it's particularly true for tech and for, you know, being a developer because like even after completing four years of college, you're not ready for a developer job. Like you are not taught what you're going to do as a developer day to day. So what do you do? Do you, do you just sit and, and not have a job? You, you learn on the job. You are unprepared and, and that's fine. You, you learn as you go. That, that's what I have been trying to do and it has been working for me. And I know a lot of people face the same trouble and, and you just have to cross that initial hurdle and just start. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned learning off the, on the job. You can also learn off the job, which is one of the things that is so great about open source. Even it, like if you don't have... If you don't feel the confidence to build your own project or you don't have any ideas to build your own projects, there are a bajillion uh, open source projects waiting for a new developer. Um, and I think that is the crux of your article is you, you're saying open source needs to be more accessible and here are some ways to break into it. And this is increasingly important because there are so many more people who need to fill in that gap, maybe it's the gap between a boot camp and a job or a college and a job because there are a lot of people who come out of a boot camp or they come out of college and like you said, they're not ready and perhaps they're not even ready to the point where a company will hire them to learn. They're, like, they're just not even ready for that stage. That's definitely true and I think open source can do a lot to fill in that gap because there you work on real software that is used by people every day. So it's not like you're working on some side project which you don't know whether people will use or not ultimately. That's like my main attraction to open source is that it is used by people and it is built by the community. And I think like I have been involved with the JavaScript community till now and I think this is particularly important for for the JavaScript community because like because of the recent influx of frameworks and and all sorts of things which have been powered by open source. That is the main reason we call web as an open platform because it's not owned by a corporation and it is developed and pushed forward by the community. 
how has your career trajectory been helped by open source in retrospect? Or, well, I guess going forward, you're still contributing to open source. So how has it shaped your career? So after I started in August last year, I, I got an opportunity to apply for Outreachy, which is basically a program like Google Summer of Code for minorities in tech. Like you work on an open source project for three months in exchange for a stipend. And uh, my my contributions during those few months made for a very sp- a strong application when I ultimately applied and I, I got selected. After that, uh, a lot of uh, recruiters have reached out to me saying that uh, they, they saw my contributions on GitHub or they saw something else relating to open source. And, and that's how they got in touch with me primarily. Mm. So like right now I'm working on Outreachy. I'm, I'm done with college and uh, that's about it. Already in your short career, you've been exposed to the world of open source and the corporations that are now using open source so widely. I mean, this has been a trend for the last Oh, man, I guess 20 years or 15, probably more like 15 years, this this dramatic uptick in how corporations are taking on open source. What is the modern relationship between the open source community and the corporations who are using open source? I think all, like most of the big corporations right now are trying to push for open source a lot because they know they can't survive without it. Like Like I said, the JavaScript community is built all around open source. If, if you need to develop something with JavaScript, you, you, there's a very, very good chance that you'll use, use something which is open source. So for that reason, and, and I think many others, all the big corporations are pushing for open source, some more than others. Like for, as, for example, Google, the, the Go programming language is being developed outright in, in, with the community. So, and Microsoft has VS Code, which is being developed by the community. So, slowly and steadily, I think the corporations are even pushing to be more open, if I may say so. But, yeah, still a long way to go. Is Do you think that the, the way that work is done in a corporation is becoming more similar to the way that an open source environment works? Because it's kind of interesting how there's a contrast there, because... At corporations, things are broken up typically into small teams. You hear the phrase two pizza teams pretty often. So you kind of get these isolated teams working on isolated projects. But in the open source community, it's a lot of times like there is a huge volume of people all piling on to one project. Um, why do you think that is? Why is there a, such a different work structure between the open source world and the corporation world? I think... Mainly because open source is not funded, not the way corporate projects are, because there you have to do something because you're getting paid. Even if you don't like it, you don't have an option. For open source, it's it's not the same. If you find something interesting, you can go chime in, you can, you can probably contribute or you can give your suggestions, you can give your ideas. So open source, a lot of it at least is, is driven by interest and the community which is not the case with corporations. Like some random people from your company cannot come and chime in in, into your team's project until unless they're somehow concerned with it. But that's not how it works in open source. So I think that contrast will be there 
until and unless we find a way to properly fund open source and and give people monetary incentive to work on the projects much like there are different corporations with different cultures the different open source projects seem to have different cultures and different work practices how have the environments of the different open source projects that you've worked within how have those environments differed from each other so for mozilla i already said they they are a brilliant community and they are very very welcoming to newcomers for webpack uh, the reason i started contributing to webpack was because i i approached sean uh, who is a webpack core team member so basically what happened was that i uh, i tweeted something about webpack which was not really related to webpack and he goes through all the tweets which have the word or the hashtag webpack in it every day so that's how i got in touch with him and uh, he encouraged me to contribute to be involved and again i i knew that i had i had some sort of help so that's how i got started like recently they they've been refactoring their code base to es6 so which is where i saw an opportunity to jump in and and contribute so and as far as the community is concerned everyone has been like till now everyone i have interacted with has been really nice i haven't really spoken to many people but like all my interactions have been really nice and polite apart from that i have contributed uh, some patches to create react app and uh, i i started working on react documentation as well uh, so i again i have not interacted with too many people from the react community but i interacted quite a bit with uh, dan abramov and he has been absolutely wonderful like he is probably one of the nicest people i know in open source i think he's one of the nicest people in the world yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> he, he is like you can talk to him about anything absolutely random Yeah. even in in javascript not just pertaining to the react code base or, or create react app like like anything and he he's just happy to explain it to you in the nicest and the simplest of terms i completely agree i'm a big fan dan evermoff um kind of want to zoom out um we've been talking about open source a little bit about corporations uh, you are from india and you went to an iit I I would love for some perspective on I I didn't go to an IIT. Oh, you didn't go to an IIT. No, no, no. Wait, no, I, I thought I, I looked at your LinkedIn. So it's wait, I so interned an inst- at an IIT. Oh, you interned at an IIT. Yeah. Okay. Okay, do you have any perspective for how computer science education at the university level in India compares to that of US? Yes, I do. So, I think the main difference is the focus on theory versus practical knowledge. Mm. the extent of it basically like here we have one credit labs at least in my college we had one credit labs and we had four credit theory subjects which to me was absolutely absurd for a subject like computer science it makes no sense to spend four hours sitting in a class and and just one or two hours in a lab in a week okay so when you say theory what kinds of theory are you talking about all kinds computer science theory and like we were taught and we were made to write exams 3 hour exams you wait you had to take them or you had to write 
three-hour exams. What do you, what do you right. say? Right. Why would you have to write an exam? Because, oh, you mean like, like the, it was a written exam and you and yeah, you Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's, see, that is what bugged me. I, I, so my personal experience, I went to, and actually, you know, it's funny because I asked you for a difference between uh, United States and India. My experience at the University of Texas, um, University of Texas at Austin is explicitly a fan of theory over practice, and this killed me. I did so bad in computer science in college, and I was just like, what is wrong? I feel like I enjoy this material, and yet I'm just getting crushed over and over and over again. And I just be like, why Why are we doing this exam? What? When I'm writing code, I have Google in front of me. Why on earth would I sit down for an exam where I don't have Google? It's like... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like living in the Stone Age. It felt exactly like that. I, I, I got really frustrated at one point of time. Like, why am I even doing this? And I'm not going to use like, I think 70 to 80% of what I learn in my day-to-day job. Like, I really enjoyed learning. I, I did not mind, you know, studying about various subjects in computer science. But just the exam part and the way we were taught, that really bugged me. Yes. And so here is it where I, th- I really think there's a lot of growing pains. And honestly in doing this show and like interviewing a lot of people and thinking about this a lot, I actually have grown to have a little more sympathy for the universities is because there's just been this really like sudden and rapid change in, in how pervasive software engineering is and how pervasive computer science is and how much volume of material and resources and stuff there are. And the universities are just having trouble adapting. I mean, it's like the innovators dilemma. It's like, it's like, why is, you know, Apple having trouble looking for a new, uh, way to make money rather than the iPhone. They're stuck in their old way. It's very hard to change the culture of an organization. And for many years, the perhaps the essay uh, or the long-form exam model made sense for a university. Um, but and, and the thing is, what I, what I will actually defend for the universities is the idea of theory. Um, I mean, so I talk to a lot of boot camp people and I'm I love boot camps, and I think they're the most efficient um, education breakthrough in a long time for computer science. But um, the depth with which um, university does expose you to theoretical aspects of computer science, I am starting to feel the rewards of that um, over time as I get, like perversely, as I get more into the practice of computer science, and you start to see all of these things practical examples they start to fit together into patterns that were illustrated in the theoretical computer science classes i mean do you have that experience as well not yet maybe because <laughs> like i've been out of college like i'm not even out of college now i i have one semester to go oh okay so yeah probably that's why but yeah i have not seen anything like that till now but i really hope i do in the future i think that you will so for example like schedulers like you learn about schedulers in operating systems or i don't know if you did but i mean i did and and i was like i don't care about this like where's the javascript code and and but you know I've done a bunch of shows about schedulers recently. And I'm like, oh, this is actually a canonical problem in computer science. So, um, yeah. But okay. Anyway, um, anything else? Is there anything else interesting about the use? Because it's it's. I find it funny. I mean, not this is not a criticism at all, but I find it funny that your you saw this as a difference between Indian 
universities and American universities. I'm like, no, I had this exact same complaint. Yeah, I actually increasingly got to know that a lot of people in the U.S. face the same trouble as well. And I, I was shocked myself because I thought that primarily they focus on, on all the practical stuff. And that, that, that's why people are like they have a lot more experience than someone compared here before they get their first job. But probably that's not true. Apart from that. I think this this was the bit that frustrated me the most. And, and like, you know, ex- teachers expected answers which were just right out of the book. If you, if you try to understand something and you write it in your own words, they will simply refuse to accept it. And, and that's no, that was never my idea of studying something I like. Like, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm trying to understand something, then I'll understand it properly and I'll, in a way that makes sense to me. And, that, and again, that's what I'll write in the paper. But that that was not always the best way to get marks. Sure, I, you know, this resonates with uh, with me as an American too. Perhaps this is a generational thing that we're talking about, rather than a national thing. Maybe. Um, what about tech, the Indian tech companies versus American tech companies? Do you have any perspective there? Because there's there are these Indian tech companies um, that are competing directly with certain tech companies like uh, Flipkart comes to mind um do you have any perspective for how the cultures of the indian tech companies compare to the american tech companies i'm not really sure because i haven't really worked with any of <laughs> sure. them yet sure no but, no problem no problem i was just curious if you had heard about anything or no not really like i i know that yeah flipkart is competing head-on with amazon but i'm i'm not really sure how long they will last because their business model is only e-commerce, whereas Amazon has a lot of money pouring in from other places as well into their e-commerce business. So that's a fundamental difference between the two. Yeah, although, you know, one thing I've heard is, like, Amazon has trouble breaking into China, for example. And this is not anything, like, confidential. This is, like, Bezos has, I think Bezos has talked about this publicly, like, because there are certain cultural aspects of the way that commerce and internet interactions in China work that it makes it hard to just expand um, horizontally into China because you have to make a different way of doing things. I'm wondering if there's differences like that culturally in, in India. I don't think so. Like uh, People have really embraced Amazon really very nicely ever since it came. And for a lot of people, it has become, like, if not integral, a pretty important part of their lives. Like, even I can I can say for myself personally, I, I order more from Amazon than I do from Flipkart. <laughs> yes, I think I order more from Amazon than anything <laughs> else, any other service. Well, Shubeksha, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. Um, we covered a lot. We From open source to career to India and um, yeah is there anything else you want to add nothing I I really had a great time talking to you thank you for inviting me wonderful okay great well thanks for coming on software engineering daily and um, if you ever have anything else you want to talk about in the future any great blog posts you come out with maybe you come back on the show definitely thank you so much